Thursday. I woke up at 6.24am. My mind felt fresh again, but the wound in my chest was there. Why do I let her hurt me? I mean, it's not okay to kick your partner. I can't tolerate this anymore. I could hit her back, but then I would be just as bad as she is. No. I'm going to constrain her and throw her out of the house. That's what she deserves. I quickly dressed, brushed my teeth and left the house before anybody woke up. It was still dark when I arrived at the university. I made myself a cup of tea and focused on writing that damn paper. I did not even open the email client or the web browser. I have to get this paper done. Now! My fingers transformed the flow of my consciousness into a meaningful sequence of Roman characters. The sequences of arguments formed clear lines of reasoning, references to previous work and the interpretation of data. I kept at it for two hours and the bulk of the writing was done when Hao Lu entered the office. Good morning, Rob. Good morning, Hao Lu. How are you today? Uh, all right. Need a coffee, though. That does not surprise me. Hao Lu returned to the office with a big mug of brown thinking liquid. He woke up his screens and stared at the email client. 106 new messages. They're trying to kill me. I'm serious. I know. We have become email monkeys. The worst thing is that for every email you answer, you get 1.3 emails back. The exchange of emails follows Richardson's law of an arms race. Are you serious? I am always serious. The only way to survive the system is not to participate. I wish I could. You could declare email bankruptcy. What on earth is that? Well, you reply to all the emails in your inbox with a declaration of email bankruptcy. You are no longer able to adequately respond to the messages and that you have deleted all the messages. Now, if something is still super important, then they should contact you again in a month or two. Optionally, you could appoint a liquidator, such as our research group's secretary. That will most certainly make her day. Sweet. I will go right ahead with this extremely useful and ingenious suggestion. <laughs> For you, only the best. Oh, I know that I can always count on you. A completely unrelated question. Do you remember why Pluto is no longer a planet? Should there be a gap in your general education, Dr. Park? But how dare you to question my expertise, Dr. Hui? But please, enlighten me. Sit down properly and pay attention. Uh, yes, Professor Hui. Pluto was discovered in 1930 by Clyde Tombaugh. It was the first planet discovered by an American astronomer. I assume the Chinese already knew about Pluto for 2,000 years? Of course. Grandmaster Lick My Dick already reported on Pluto even before you nailed a man to a tree for saying how great it would be to be nice to people for a change. You copied that line from Douglas Adams. I'm Chinese. What do you expect? Ministers already lost their positions because of the plagiarism in their PhD thesis. I cannot tolerate this academic misconduct. I am sorry, Dr Huey. I will have to call you Mr Huey from now on. Are you finished? Uh, yes, please continue. Pluto became an icon, in particular in the US. People often sympathise with an outsider, and Pluto was as far out as you could be in the solar system. It is important to notice that until then, the definition of a planet was its appearance on a list. 
since your brain capacity is utterly limited, you might want to use a mnemonic, such as, my very educated mother just served us nine pizzas, to remember the sequence of Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. <laughs> I'd rather not do that. Pluto is no longer a planet, but thanks for trying to trick me into memorising yet more useless facts. Suit yourself. Originally, it was assumed that Pluto had a mass similar to Earth, but over the years, more precise estimations were made and Pluto turned out to be only a fraction of Earth's mass. To make things worse, many objects were found in the orbital area, which was eventually named the Kuiper Belt. The crisis emerged in 2005, when an, an astronomer discovered an object in the Kuiper Belt that was more massive than Pluto. Logically, this new Kuiper Belt object should also be considered a planet, but then the list of planets could potentially grow rapidly. But already in 2000, the American Museum of Natural History's planetarium in New York had reopened, and Neil deGrasse Tyson had rearranged the objects of the solar system in a way that indicated that Pluto was not a planet. The media caught on to this discovery and it sparked a very furious discussion between traditionalists and rationalists. <laughs> Could they not come up with a set of criteria that defines what a planet is? Ideally one that included Pluto but excluded all those Kuiper Belt objects. They did what every proper academic would do. Start a committee. I am so much looking forward to its name. It was called the Planetary Definition Committee of the International Astronomical Union. Beautiful. I was unaware of your appreciation of bureaucratic poetry. You failed to disappoint me yet again, Dr. Park. My pleasure, Mr. Huey. The union convened in 2006 in Prague, and one of the items on the agenda was to vote on the committee's proposal for a definition of planets. The proposal defined a planet as objects that were round and dominated their orbital paths. Because KBOs swarm around Pluto, Pluto did not satisfy the second criterion. A counter-committee was formed on the spot and the dispute continued until the last day when a general vote was held. To save Pluto's face, a new category of dwarf planets was introduced to which Pluto and a few others were assigned. So they voted Pluto out? Yep. Well, it's not surprising that a room full of scientists would vote for an Aristotelian definition rather than a cultural one. What does surprise me is that they had such a big social process at all. Moreover, I doubt that all the members of the union were able to attend a meeting in Prague. Would you like to know the exact proportion? How could I continue to exist without it? Four percent, my dear Dr Park. 4% of the total members of the union were in Prague. <laughs> but that can hardly be considered a quorum. They really should learn from the Chinese. In their national assemblies, no seat is empty. That is true. The bigger question is, however, who is on those chairs? Oh, touche. Can you at least leave a note that you are already gone? The kids were looking for you this morning. I could not sleep anymore and have a lot to do at work. Is everything okay? Marky. Mm. We continued to direct our attention to our computers and later in the day I stopped at Professor Smith's office. When I entered I immediately noticed the sofa that was now placed against one of the walls. 
Where did you get this from? No, I bought it secondhand. Uh, may I? Of course. It doesn't take a genius to be comfortable. Nice. I'd love to have one of these in my office to be able to take a nap. Be my guest. Any time. I looked up at Smith's face and from his calm, honest and open expression, I included that he actually meant it. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. I require a nap every once in a while myself. What's keeping you up? Oh, no, that is a long story. In any case, how did you ever end up in this office? <laughs> that is a long story too. I'm curious. You might not like it. I'll be the judge of that. I used to be a young academic like yourself, full of ideas and energy. Well, then you should be a full professor by now. Who wrote the book of should? I made a few fatal mistakes. The biggest one was to be too honest. This university, like any large organisation, is full of nonsense, particularly when it comes to its administration. The only reason why this university still exists is that all other universities are managed just as badly. That sounds rather bitter. I would say it sounds realistic. But what does that have to do with you? I wasted a lot of my time battling nonsense and made myself rather unpopular in the process. Give me an example. Yeah. Are you aware of the promotion criteria? Of course. That's what's guiding my work. I want to become an associate professor eventually. Stop wasting time. The criteria were brought about by the full professors. They cooked up a list of criteria that academics have to fulfil in this department to move on to the next level. Yes, I read the announcement. Why do you know so much about it? You're pretty new to the department. I was part of the hiring committee. Are they going to hire more people? You've heard nothing from me. OK. So what's up with the criteria? When you look at the CVs of our full professors, then you will notice this. Pretty much none of them fulfills the criteria for an associate professor. Even better, some criteria are, by definition, impossible. Such as? To become an associate professor, you're expected to have spent at least six months at another university, ideally abroad. That's what our sabbatical is for. Yes, but you're only allowed to use your own vacation days. You only have six years to make it to associate professor under the new tenure track career model. Even better, you're not supposed to carry over your vacation days to the next year. So you mean that the department allows you to work at another university during your vacation period, but you can never spend enough time there to fulfil the promotion criteria? You got it. But then how can you ever get promoted? Ah, now I have your attention. You should spend as much time as you can being helpful and nice to your group leader and the dean. But, but I have my research to do. Doing research will only help you to find a job at other universities. They will look at the papers you've published. But if you want to have a career here, then you need to put your fist as deep as you can in the arse of a dean. Oh, right. Oh, all right, I get it. Don't make me imagine that. But what happened to you? I pointed out such nonsense at meetings. I have a pretty bad reputation amongst senior management. I even dared to visualise the social structure of my research group. How did you do that? Should it not just be a tree structure? That would be an ordinary organogram. Another example of the ever-so-popular structure. 
It is worthwhile noting, however, that it is not only professors who like to be on top. In general, the nodes on top of the tree are considered more important. I understand why professors consider themselves to be on top, but who else cares? Well, let's take the example of religions. <laughs> they are all equally irrelevant. They all claim the opposite. And who's to judge? Taxonomists! Melville Dewey, a Christian, created his decimal system to classify books in a library. While he blessed Christianity with the highest level within the religious class, Islam was devoted to low subclass within other and comparative religions. How did Muslims take that? There have been frequent complaints about it, not only from Muslims, but from all non-Christians. But it never changed. Why? They realised that no matter what system they would come up with, there would always be somebody that would be dissatisfied. Changing the taxonomy is very costly since all the libraries would have to move their books around. So you played the role of the taxonomist and decided on the tree structure of your group. <laughs> we received so much pressure from our group leader to collaborate with each other and to publish as many papers as we could that I volunteered to do an analysis of the publications of our group for a discussion at a group strategy day. <laughs> Imagine circles representing the researchers. The size of the circles indicated the number of publications each researcher published in the last five years. But researchers collaborate and hence co-author papers. Correct. So I drew lines between the researchers. The thickness of the lines indicated how many papers these two authored together. And what was the conclusion? The full professors had large circles because every PhD student has to be supervised by one of them. Those students write papers on which the full professors are co-authors. But the full professors don't really work with the students. It's the assistant and associate professors who do the groundwork with the students. That's why this type of authorship is also called trophy authorship. So did the researchers collaborate a lot? Once in a blue moon. There were some teams, but not the strongest links, mirrored in the hierarchical structure of the group. The full professors on top get everything. The assistant and associate professors get the publications of the PhD student they co-supervised, and just sometimes two assistant professors collaborated, keeping in mind that the assistant professors compete against each other for their promotion. How did the researchers react in the, in the meeting to these revelations? They were furious. In particular, those whose circles were small or who were more isolated in the network. I guess you put a finger in an open wound. In public. Now you start to understand why I am in this room. That was my actual question. It's a gentle reminder from the senior management team for me to consider a career option elsewhere. They want to get rid of you? That depends on whom you ask. And are you going to leave? Well, not just yet. There are too many interesting things to do. Well, yes, I was wondering what your research is actually about. Oh, that's a story for another day. <laughs> I'll have to come back then. It would be my pleasure. I am also in a bit of trouble right now. Here at the university? No. No. More at home with my wife. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. My wife does not seem to have much sympathy for me anymore. She's stressed out all the time with the children and with her life. And most of all, she's angry with me all the time. I don't want to hurt her in any way, but she feels criticised whenever I explain anything to her. I'm not allowed to have an opinion at all. Is she happy living here with you? 
She hates this country and she thinks that she's given up her career and her life to be with me and the children. A husband can be very convenient for being angry at. That way she does not have to be angry at herself. That might be the case. I'm sorry to bother you with this. You're not alone, Rob. Many of us went through similar troubles. Promise me you will continue to come back and we'll talk about it. Oh, thanks. Look, I guess I should be going. I'm planning to buy some boxes today for the Lego bricks. The boxes are only the beginning. You also need to have a structure for random access. What? A shelf. I get it. Uh, sorry, I'm a bit slow today. I, I got up early and Hao Louis gave me a private lecture. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm afraid that I have to sit this exam now. Uh, goodbye then. Take care, Rob. I could barely keep my eyes open. It was only 3pm. At least two more hours to go. Oh, this is useless. Whatever I'll write now, I will have to rewrite tomorrow. I might as well just leave. I started early enough. What are you doing here? I was tired and couldn't concentrate any longer. I'll use the car for a little while. What are you going to do? I, I, I need to buy something from the DIY store. Do you have a shopping list? Why? Do you want to synchronise? Just leave. I browsed through my vast music collection on my phone. First using the artist's name, then by album. But I could not make up my mind. I switched to browsing by genre. The absence of any song or album entitled Unknown filled me with pride. A music collection is only useful if you tag every song. Maybe some Saint-Étienne would be nice for the drive. The traffic was not too bad, but on the way back I would most certainly get into the rush hour. Driving to the hypnotic beats and sugar-sweet voice of Sarah Cracknell was just wonderful, and no red traffic light could corrupt my good mood. Even parking was easy, and full of hope, I entered the shop of good resolutions. Too many of my purchases here had ended up on the shelf in the garden shed. Never opened and consistently giving me a bad conscience. Not this time. The immense variety of sizes, concepts and stacking options of plastic boxes in aisle 17 made my heart beat faster. The cheapest option was stackable, nearly square boxes, almost like Lego bricks. But what did Mark say about random axes? He is so right. If I wanted the bricks in the bottom box, then I would have to first take all the boxes on top away. I'd be busier rearranging boxes than actually finding bricks. I actually need drawers. Some stackable plastic drawers that were intended for office supplies were at the end of the aisle. But $39 seemed rather expensive. A distinct increase in the pressure in my colon alerted me. Not now. Maybe other options are available at the furniture section. When I returned from the central aisle that spanned from one end of the hall to the other, I noticed a glow from a large box that was stacked on top of a pallet in the middle of the aisle. With a humility not unlike a Roman Catholic approaching an altar, I advanced towards the chrome promise of ultimate systemization. A seven-tier bin rack with 22 organizational bins. Three distinct bin sizes and a six-piece bin divider included. Even bin labels were included. Easy slide-out bins that tilt for convenient access. The shelf even had wheels, so I could easily roll it into the garage and back. 
This is it. This is it. This is the true OCD porn. Yeah, baby. Sort me, baby. Sort me good. I walked back to the entrance to pick up a trundler. When I returned, there was no more ignoring the pressures in my bowel. Damn it. I have an emergency kit in the car, but I might not be able to make it. I parked the trundler and raced towards the sign that indicated the direction of the toilets. I kept my buttocks tightly pressed together. Around a corner and down an aisle, I reached the white oasis of relief. I entered the male toilet, only to find both cubicles occupied. Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. Hold it, Rob. Hold it. Hold it. Oh. No, I can't. The, the ladies' room, then. So, so. Oh, great. Nobody here. The belt. The trousers. The underpants. Off. Off you go. Keep it in. Oh, oh. oh yes. Oh. Oh. I started to clean myself. Halfway, I flushed to get rid of the mountain of paper, hoping it would not cause a blockage. More paper, more cleaning. I flushed again, and after the water tank had refilled, I listened carefully. Nobody appeared to be in the room. I dressed and dashed out of the cubicle right back into the male toilet to wash my hands. Okay, Rob, you survived this one. You damn baby, you should wear diapers. Slowly I relaxed and walked back to the trunder. The box was huge and heavy. My back was rather unforgiving towards such heavy loads, but this was a place of Kiwi masculinity, so I lifted the box onto the trundler by myself. Any DIY endeavour would result in at least some blood loss, but so far the gods of home improvement were on my side. I forced the trundler to the cashier and the $199 convinced me of the quality of my choice. My plastic money was accepted and the receipt was stored. Getting the trundler to the car was easy, but getting the box into the trunk was another story entirely. I flipped the back seats over and my attempts to manoeuvre the box into the car eventually caused a bare feet shorts and t-shirt mate to have mercy on me. Oh, need some help? <coughs> well, I actually could. Oh, let me give you a hand. I grabbed the box on its side as hard as I could, but my newly found saviour hardly needed any assistance. He swiftly pushed the box into the back of the car. Sweet ass. Cheers, mate. No worries. The mate went on his way, probably to a rugby match, and I returned the trundler before driving off. My phone selected Nothing Can Stop Us Now as the next track, and I could not agree more. The cars in front of me merged into the exact right spaces. I felt like receiving the 1x4 Tetris brick after I'd painstakingly built a 9x4 cliff. I would clear those four rows in a single stroke. I've never felt so good, I've never felt so strong, and nothing can stop us now. I parked the car in the driveway, and it turned out that getting the shelf out of the car was much easier than getting it in. I slid the box onto a moving dolly and manoeuvred the box into the garage. There. I opened the cardboard box and started the assembly. The unusual noises attracted the attention of the girls, and they poked their heads into the garage. What are you doing? I'm building a shelf. Why? Well, because then we can sort all the bricks into the bins. That's going to take forever. Oh, it won't be that bad. It'll be fun. I'm not sure. What is that? A shelf. Why do we need that? 
It will sort all the Lego bricks. Don't you have more important things to do? It's my hobby. Where are you going to put that? In the living room. I don't think so. The shelf has wheels. So I'll bring it into the living room to sort the bricks. We can then wheel it to wherever we want. It will not stay in the living room. Uh, That's okay. Maybe you can fold the laundry? I want to assemble the shelf first. Whatever. Can I help you? Hey, no worries. I'll quickly put it together. Are you all right? I'm okay. I wished I could have said this more convincingly. Camelia approached me and gave me a hug. I love you, Daddy. I love you too. Look, everything's okay. I'll I'll just build this shelf and then I'll join you in the living room. Okay. The instructions did leave considerable room for interpretation, but the logic of the assembly was easy enough to understand. After an hour, the shelf and all its bins were ready for operation. I wheeled it into the living room and placed it against one of the walls. The laundry basket on the sofa caught my attention. Dinner is ready! After the dinner was eaten and after the children were bathed and put in their beds, I could barely keep my eyes open as I sat on the sofa. It was only 8.15pm, but it had been a long day. I did not even notice Marky entering the room. We need to talk. This can't be good. Why does she want to talk now? I am tired. Uh, About what? Last night. Yes, that probably is a good idea, but I'm extremely tired and I'm not sure if my arguments will make any sense. That is okay. What do you want to tell me? Well, you really did drive me crazy last night. Yeah, I noticed. You wanted to physically hurt me. That's a behaviour that, well, I can't tolerate. Not tolerate? Why don't you start caring about me? Then I wouldn't have to freak out like that. I'm sorry, but it appears to me that you keep on increasing your level of aggression towards me. First you started swearing and and now you hit me. I don't mean any harm to you. And I think that partners shouldn't want to hurt each other. If I don't keep complaining, then you don't listen to me at all. Look, Marky, that... Don't mucky me. I am not your student. OK, if you want my attention, then you can have it. If you feel bad or lonely, just ask for a hug. You can always get a hug from me. If you attack me, then I feel the need to defend myself. I'm not able to handle it otherwise. Very nice lecture, Professor Park. I'm not trying to lecture you. I'm just explaining my point of view. I am not trying to fight with you. But you always have such great arguments. You are always right, aren't you? No. I'm always wrong. One way or the other, I find a way to annoy you and you have the need to complain about it. I'm always the bad guy. I'm tired of being the bad guy. And I am tired of getting lectured by you. I am not a little child. I know that. And I never thought otherwise. I I really don't know why you feel that way. I didn't mean to harm you and i usually only trying to help. If I tell you that there is a better way of doing something, then I only tell you this because I want to make it easier for you. I already know how to do it. You don't need to tell me. And your better way is usually much worse. You just don't understand me. I am trying so hard to run this household and this family and it is never good enough for you. I never said that. But that is how I feel. And you don't care about how I feel. Look, we're going round in circles now. I already told you that if you feel lonely or need a hug, they can just come to me. No, I can't. Why? Because then you win. This is not about winning or losing. Where does that come from? Never mind. 
I'm really at my end. Sh- shall we call it a night? I am not done. I am. Is it okay if I go to bed now? I don't care. Do you want a hug? Just leave me alone. I'm going to go watch some drama. I almost said don't stay up too late, but I caught my tongue before my lecture escaped into the night. Back in my room, I made a resolution. If she ever attacks me again, then I will throw her out of the house. I will not let her hit me again. Friday. Back from work, I sat in front of the computer. 37 new email messages, 8 Facebook notifications, 872 new RSS posts. This is endless. I opened a couple of emails but was unable to gather enough energy to act upon them. Only the quick delete or the move into my folder structure seemed possible. This is just too much. Why can't they leave me alone? I can't get any work done if all I do is respond to emails. Daddy! Whoa, Poppy, don't surprise me like that. Daddy, can we watch TV? Why don't you play a little bit more? Maybe you can draw me a nice picture. But I want to watch TV. Poppy, playing is more fun, and it's almost so much better for you. Maybe you could cook a little meal for your pets. You could set up a restaurant. No, I don't want to. I want TV. Poppy, not in that tone of voice. I want TV. No, Poppy, go and play. Mm. Marky, you can't do that. Do what? Well, I was having a discussion with Poppy and I made a decision. If you contradict me, then the kids will soon figure out whom they have to ask for what. It's okay for you to disagree and we can certainly talk about it. But that needs to be between the two of us and not in front of the kids. But I don't want to discuss this with you. Why is that? Because you are always right. That's not true. I make a lot of mistakes. But you can't cut me out like that. How am I supposed to raise the kids if you won't work with me? You are not raising the kids. I am. Yes, you spend more time at home with the kids. But I am still their father, and I want to raise them as well. You wouldn't be able to spend a single day with them. Of course I could. I'd like to see that. You just need to give me the opportunity. But you can't accept me in my role as a father. You want to be in control of everything concerning the kids. Even if I don't agree with your ways, you still want me to go along. But why can't you do the same for me? I am their mother. And I am their father. Oh, here we go again. See, you are always right. That's hardly an argument for anything. Fuck you. Don't you dare swear at me. Maki raised her fists, but the cold look in my face changed the direction of her anger. Make my day, Maki. Just make my day. I will not allow you to hurt me again. So, now it's the dustbin. No! Stop! Stop! There's shards everywhere. You'll cut your feet. Leave. Put on some slippers and wait in the living room. I'm not going to deal with this. You broke it. You fix it. Whatever. An enormous wave of anger swept across my chest, filling every cell of my body with an unbearable tension. My stomach turned inside out, releasing a gush of acid into the back of my throat. 
a deep black loneliness set in, limiting my field of view. Unable to think or to move, I heard Marky making a phone call. And even now, I will still have to pay for this. We really should have separate accounts. She always gets away with these things. All the shards are scattered on the terrace and on the grass. The kids run around there without shoes often enough. I got up, crossed through the house and stepped into the open. I bent down and started to collect the shards. They were everywhere and a single one could make the life of the children a misery. The glazier arrived shortly afterwards, replacing the broken window. I avoided the man who tried to strike a casual conversation with me. I focused on grooming the grass, looking for the sparkly reflection of the sun. After the glazier left, I sat down on the floor in front of the Lego boxes. I did not look at or talk to Marky. Instead, I picked a colour and spread the bricks out across the floor. The monochrome ocean of shapes was intimidating. How will I ever be able to decide on the categories? How can I define what bricks will go together? Maybe I'll just start with bricks that I'm certain that I have a lot of. That way I'll be able to fill a whole bin. I have a limited number of bins. I picked the most basic 2x4 bricks and threw them into a large bin. Each clack of a brick hitting the plastic enclosure of the bin was an affirmation. My mind focused on this one task and all other thoughts were pushed out of my consciousness. No more broken glass, no more dispute, no more marquee. Can I help you? No, I, I, I have to do this by myself. Are you sure? Yes, Camellia, but thank you for wanting to help. Just, just watch some more TV. Marky crossed the room to get to her room, and the disdain in her eyes cut me into pieces. Seems like I have a lot of two-by-two bricks as well. That could be another bin, and while I'm at it, let's get the two-by-three out as well. Three bins started to fill with Danish delights. The order that started to emerge from the chaos in front of me calmed me, soothed me gave me purpose. The basic bricks started to approach the same fate as the mower. They became extinct. Time to move on to the next task. Let's pick basic bricks that are bigger than 2x4s. So 2x6 and 2x8, that shouldn't take long. There were fewer of these larger bricks and they were easy to spot. For now I put them all in the same bin. I've already used up four bins, I hope I have enough of them. During the sorting I experienced a deep satisfaction from working on a task that was neither hard nor trivial and that I could master with excellence. The work flew. No, no, I floated through it. <laughs>